This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. time again, you texted, emailed, and DM'd us for our take on a planet-friendly way to purchase our tried and tested Brightly favorites. Because while the world of conscious consumerism is exploding, making mindful, planet-friendly purchases can still be a challenge. That's where the Brightly shop comes in. To reduce some of the eco-overwhelm, every product we sell has been hand-picked and vetted by the Brightly team. You won't find anything in the shop that has less than five stars. We've gone through hundreds of eco-products to discover new and emerging brands that solve sustainability problems for you every day. We even designed our own products like beeswax wraps to keep things fun and to help you live brightly. So how do we help you shop sustainably? The shop launches on the first Monday of each month and is open for five days. So the shorter, planet-friendly shopping window allows us to only order what we need. After the shop closes, we pack and ship out products in bulk. This low-impact supply chain reduces waste and keeps the planet happy. Brightly is also climate neutral certified. Because we are committed to climate action, we have set our entire carbon footprint from operations to shipping. We believe in the power of collective change, and we are so glad you're joining us on this journey. Go to shop.brightly.eco to see what's in store. Use code GOODTOGETHER at checkout to receive two free hand-blown, ethically-made wine glasses with any purchase. Simply add the wine glasses to your cart and apply the code at checkout. We talk a lot about small steps we can take to better the earth while we're living on it, but one thing that's not often discussed is the environmental impact of dying. It's thought that we began burying our dead about 130,000 years ago. Unfortunately, it's not the most eco-friendly practice the way we do it right now. So between the toxic chemicals that leach into the soil from embalming, the land used to house millions of bodies in cemeteries around the world, and things like the wood needed for caskets, burying people right now is not one of the most eco-friendly practices out there. While cremation can be better, it also has its downfalls. For one, it releases millions of tons of carbon dioxide emissions into the atmosphere. So 
When we set out to record this episode, I was fascinated to learn many things about dying and burial. And this one solution that came about was Return Home. It's the world's first large-scale terramation facility. That's human composting, a process that actually transforms human remains into nutrient-rich matter that can be returned to the earth. In this week's episode, we dig into the environmental impact of dying and options that could transform the death care industry for the better. Even if you're a little bit squeamish about thinking about your plans post-life, as it were, you're going to love this episode. Definitely keep listening. Hi, Katie and Bree. Welcome to Good Together. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much. We're so glad to be here. Yes. So this is a completely fascinating topic for me, and I know the audience is going to agree, which is really chatting about the environmental impact of of dying and thinking about what human composting actually is. And so, um, you know, I would bet that most of our listeners have not even begun, uh, you know, to think about such a thing. So this is this is really really interesting. I'm I'm thrilled to talk about it with you. So um, to get started, I'd love for us to dive into really the the environmental impact of dying and how traditional methods compare to human composting, right? Traditional methods of, of burial. So um, I wonder if you if you both could kind of take us through um, that journey. Sure. And we're both um, licensed funeral directors and embalmers, and we came from the traditional world. So we've kind of lived that that firsthand. Absolutely. Um, so for us, uh, we know that cremation uses about 30 gallons of fuel, which is enough to drive from Los Angeles to San Francisco and back. Um, and it puts everything that was good in your body up into the atmosphere as greenhouse gases. Um And then we know about traditional burial that um, each year about 20 million feet of wood and 4.3 million gallons of embalming fluid, um, 1.6 million tons of reinforced concrete are all put into the earth as we separate people between layers and layers of these materials And they never really decompose and give any organic matter back to the earth. Um, Which is fascinating, right? Because I feel like most people would assume, okay, when a body is placed into the ground to be buried, um, you know, we're probably thinking it like very, very rudimentary, right? (laughs) Just actually like placing a body down there. And it sounds like the process by which is needed to to happen for for modern burials in basically takes the organic matter of a human body um, and makes it no longer able to, you know, decompose like we're thinking, right? Right. We don't talk about death and therefore we don't ask questions of our professionals when it comes to this kind of thing. Um, So the truth is that when you're buried traditionally, you're embalmed with chemicals that stop your body from breaking down. You're then put in a metal or wood casket that is then placed in a cement and rebar reinforced liner in the ground. Uh, So your body never touches the earth. Um, It is not earth to earth. It is in a box, in two boxes in the ground. Um, And I always like to talk about the big bopper because uh, it's easily researchable with photos and stuff online, but he was disinterred over 50 years after he died in a plane wreck and his son was able to view him. 
Oh my gosh. And so you're saying that we've gotten so good at that process that, you know, quote unquote good in terms of being able to preserve bodies like that, that we're really just not, we're kind of missing the mark in terms of the environment, right? Correct. Yeah. And we also think there's a time and a place because embalming is an art. It is a restorative art and some people need to be restored. Um, But a great deal of these people don't actually need to be embalmed to look beautiful and to have their family be able to say a final goodbye. So there's a time and a place for embalming, but we think that there's a, a time and a place to question when it's most appropriate to use embalming. Absolutely. No, I I totally agree. And I think it's just so interesting for us to think, just kind of rethink the process in general. And one point that we, I don't think we actually included on some of our show notes, but one that I wanted to also mention was the impact of cemeteries um, on, you know, just general green spaces here, you know, in the world, right? I mean, cemeteries by nature are beautiful, but you can imagine in places where green space is at a premium, there might also be a case for being made to not necessarily be taken taking up additional sort of green real estate from that perspective. Exactly. It's using land in perpetuity. It also takes an incredible amount of upkeep and water um, to make it look that beautiful. It's not a place where native um, species can grow back because it's kept kind of looking like a golf course for a reason. Yeah, that's actually the purpose behind those rebar lined concrete vaults is that they uphold the earth so that they can continue to drive heavy machinery over those spaces and things like that without them um, pitting and causing, you know, uh, a cemetery to be uneven. Um, So those practices are actually in place to maintain, which some people need that experience. But I what we're finding is a lot of people that we talk to really connect with a much more natural Um, And like Katie was saying, uh, like organic to the area kind of experience. Absolutely. And I also think to the point that was made earlier about we in general, you know, as a society don't talk enough about death. I think if you were to poll most people, I would bet that most people not only have not thought about what their plans are, um, you know, what they'd like to happen once they pass away. But I also think a lot of people wouldn't really give too much of a care, right? Like they probably were like, hey, I'd like to do what's what's least impactful to the environment anyway. And, you know, maybe if we don't have these conversations, people might just assume that you want things done to, you know, this sort of older, older way, which is really interesting. Exactly. We're finding that when we do have the conversation, people's opinion is do something that's least impactful to the earth, but do something that is incredibly impactful to you as my loved one. And that is what we're finding people are getting from our service too. That's that's just so cool to hear. Um, and so before we get into human composting um, and the work that you're doing at Return Home, I'd love to know, just because I'm curious too, like, so we, we've talked a little bit about the, the um, method of embalming and sort of the, the traditional burial as it were, but what about cremation? Because I actually, before I came into this interview, was under the impression that cremation was, um, you know, a better alternative. Um, can you talk to us a little bit more about that path as well? Yeah, we definitely, um, when Katie and I were both a traditional funeral directors, we saw a lot of cremation because we both live in the Seattle area. And uh, anywhere from 80 to 90% of the decedents in Washington state are cremated. So um, both of us spent a great deal of time in the crematory. And just what I can say is that, um, of course, I don't know where, where the narrative came from that cremation was a 
you know, better alternative, but certainly it's not a green alternative. Um, and also being an operator of a crematory just personally was a lot more impactful on my mental health than I was acknowledging. Um, we don't really have the conversations about what it means to, uh, essentially burn bodies all day and watch that take place and participate in breaking down of the body in that, um, expedient kind of way where, uh, so in multiple ways, cremation to, to me, at least personally is, uh, been talked about as, as, you know, the best alternative to traditional burial. But, uh, we question that majorly because of both the environmental impact and the impact on the people operating the machinery. Yeah, that that's fascinating. And we have a statistic here from Reuters um, that basically says the overall carbon footprint of cremation has been calculated to be the equivalent of as much energy in the form of natural gas and electricity as a 500-mile car trip. So, you know, we, we realize cremation does require a lot of fuel. It's resulting in millions of tons of carbon dioxide emissions per year. And so you're right. I mean, I originally was like, oh, yeah, like cremation just sounds like it's it's a, you know, a, a more green sort of like a, a less waste-related uh, uh, option. But what we're here to talk about today is that there are other options, you know, rather than cremation or these traditional burials. And so talk to us a little bit about what human composting is, because I know just even the two words together, it, it really can make, it, it makes a lot of people's ears perk up basically. And I, I know at Return Home, this is your specialty. So can you explain um, a little bit about what human composting is? So um, for us, human composting, we call it terramation. Oh, I love it. Yeah, terra meaning earth, mation meaning the creation of. So we're creating earth during our process. It's legally termed natural organic reduction. And it is simply allowing your body to do what it was made to do. That is um, laying on a bed of organics, which is straw, alfalfa, sawdust, um, with some more organics on top of the body. And then allowing the microbes that digest your food to turn you back to earth in total of 60 days. Wow. That's that's amazing. And of course, again, this is what I think we all think about when we think about bodies going into the earth. But this is something that is almost a return to the to the days of very, very old and is a return to really what what I think makes more sense to us from an environmental impact. So, um, you know, as um, you know, somebody goes throughout this process, you said it takes about 60 days. Um, so so you talked about, um, you know, putting the body, um, you know, down in this um, nice organic sort of um, vessel. What happens after that? Like, how does how does the process work? What we've done is we've optimized a science where we give the body the ideal conditions in which to break down in an expedient manner. So with the organic material that we mix together, alfalfa has a lot of nitrogen and the microbes really feed off of that nitrogen. And um, basically what happens is, is inside the vessel, uh, we've given them the environment to be able to break down completely naturally. Um, we have uh, in the vessel only inputs and outputs for oxygen. And other than that, only the organics and the person go into the vessel. So it's mm. oxygen and oxygen moving through that vessel that um, kind of facilitates the process. And people rise in temperature uh, about 160 degrees where they stay. And we're finding from anywhere to 14 to you know 21 days. 
and their body is breaking down and transforming. And uh, once that process starts, we don't have to manipulate it, the vessel at all um, to be able to facilitate the process. Um, three weeks in, we do a rotation of the vessel, but it's external. And so we're taking that vessel and um, rotating it just to distribute moisture because, of course, that is important. Um, there's water in the organics, and so we're trying to move things around. And, and at that time, we also can add a little bit more water because, of course, that helps facilitate the process as well. Um, but what we find is just letting a person's body lay on this bed of organics uh, for that three-week period, they've mostly broken down. And by four weeks, um, they're, they're completely transformed into soil. And uh, we go to a screening area. Wow. That, I mean, I love that. Four weeks, you know, we have already kind of coming back to that soil stage. And so then what happens? Like, um, what happens to that soil? When you think about reducing your carbon footprint, your mind probably goes to reducing the amount of meat you eat or conserving energy in your home. While both of those can make an impact, another method that doesn't get nearly enough attention is greening your finances. A 2020 report found that 35 of the world's biggest banks have given $3.8 trillion to fossil fuel companies since 2016. If your bank doesn't have the same values as you do, there's no better time than now to make the switch to Aspiration. Aspiration is an online banking alternative that offers socially conscious and sustainable ways to spend and save so you can make money while making the world a better place. And unlike the big banks, Aspiration doesn't use your deposits to fund oil pipelines or exploration. We love that Aspiration is a B Corp and 1% for the Planet member. They also give you the option to plant a tree with every single purchase. With Aspiration Plus, you can earn $200 when you spend $1,000 in the first 60 days of the account opening. You also get 10% cashback when shopping with Aspiration's conscious coalition partners, such as Brightly. Ready to make the switch to Aspiration? Head to aspiration.com forward slash Brightly. That's A-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N.com forward slash brightly to learn more about socially conscious finance and sign up for a new cash management account. Aspiration Financial LLC member SIPC Aspiration is not a bank and is not affiliated with Brightly. Finding stylish footwear that's also sustainable isn't easy. Trust me, I've tried. But thanks to Vionic's Beach line, I've officially found a pair of sneakers I never want to take off. Vionic Beach is great for conscious consumers as the shoes feature an eco-friendly outsole, 80% of which is rubber and 20% of which is made from a soybean-based compound. These shoes also feature a canvas fabric made with natural materials. And they're completely vegan certified, so you can rest assured that no animals were harmed in the making of the shoes. Something I also love about these shoes is the fact that they are completely washable. I love going on long walks and hikes around San Francisco where I live, so my shoes are bound to get dirty after a while. It's great knowing that once it's time to give them a good clean, I can toss them into the washing machine and it's completely effortless and they always come out looking and feeling brand new. Comfort is also key when looking for sustainable footwear, and this line delivers support and comfort without sacrificing style. In fact, Vionic is so confident that you love your new kicks that they have a 30-day wear test. That means you can return them for a full refund within 30 days, if you're not satisfied for any reason, even if you've worn them outside. 
Are you ready to step into the world of sustainable footwear? Check out the Vionic Beach line at vionicshoes.com and use the code BRIGHTLY at checkout for free shipping on your order. That's V-I-O-N-I-C-S-H-O-E-S dot com and the code BRIGHTLY for free shipping on your new pair of eco-friendly shoes. So once we uh, reach the screening stage, that is an opportunity for us to remove the inorganics that people may have in their body, hip implants, uh, screws, stents, that kind of thing. And those are recycled. Um, and then there is some bone that remains in the soil. We break that down just like they do after cremation into small pieces and it's placed back into the compost so that the microbes can get at the inside of that bone and completely transform it into soil. Um, the soil will then sit for another 30 days and it will cool. It'll let off a little CO2 and then it will be packaged and returned to the family how they um, see fit. That's wonderful. And that's like truly a way that, you know, families can come together and choose what they'd like to do with that soil, right? Like they could plant a memorial garden, tree grove or something. And I, I think that's really, really powerful. Um, and, you know, how much soil are we talking about? Like, uh, like a little jar? Or how much kind of results from this process? I'm curious. So when we lay people in the vessel, our organics ratio to body weight is three to one. So that means if the person weighs 200 pounds, we're putting in it 600 pounds of organics in that vessel with them for a total of, you know, 800 pounds. When the person transforms, their body weight disappears and, and water weight as well, of course. And so what we're left with is around 500 pounds or around a cubic yard of compost that's returned to the family. Um, what we find is that many of the families do decide to take the full amount and um, we use burlap because ultimately the, the life cycle continues and the compost needs to breathe. Um, so we've taken to burlap because it allows uh, air flow through. Um, but we also can return a small amount, like an urn sized amount to a family, because we do consider this an urban option for people who might not have land and, and you know, the opportunity to um, take the full amount. So families can take anywhere from um, uh, a very small amount to the complete amount. We also have the opportunity for families who do not take the full amount. Uh, we would take their loved one to a Greenbelt location that we purchased. That's about 10 minutes north of our property in Auburn. And we would take people there and scatter them. And we have done that a couple of times now. And um, what they're doing is we purchased this property in an area that can never be developed upon. Okay. And we cleared it of all of the debris and, you know, there was a couple of abandoned vehicles and garbage and we cleared it and we are now revitalizing that area. Um, and we're always also, you know, interested in working with groups to see about conservation efforts around the state of Washington. So, um, so we have opportunities for families to give back to the natural environment should they choose to not take the full amount home with them. Yeah, that that's such a great option for people. I'm also based in the Washington area, so that's I love that you're you're doing that work around here. That's wonderful. And so, okay, so we've kind of gone through, I guess, um, sort of the you know current state of the world when it comes to burial, um, different options people have, and you know people might be starting to be interested in um, human composting and really the um, you know service that you're offering um, at your company. So 
I know when we were originally um, getting together for this episode, we were talking about kind of the cost and sort of the uh, journey that somebody would go on to, to start this process. And so you mentioned to us previously that, um, you know, the cost for this service for with you is roughly about $5,000. Um, and I'm curious to know um, when somebody approaches you um, who is trying to weigh different options, how does price come into that factor? Um, and how should people be thinking about maybe planning for this if this is something they'd like um, to happen with with their own, um, you know, their own uh, post, uh, post-life plans? Sure. Um, so our cost ends up being roughly about the same as a cremation with a memorial service in our area and significantly less than a traditional burial. Um, so we're kind of finding ourselves right in the middle Um, We do have finance-free pre-planning for people who would like to set this up for themselves. And we always recommend at least getting your wishes down in writing so that your family knows what you want. Um, But generally, the cost doesn't come up very often because people are truly interested in doing something that gives back. Um, And however we need to make that happen for that family, that's what we're here for. I love that. And I think as we're all thinking about estate planning and, and all of these things, I mean, you know, depending on the age of the listener, right? <laughs> Maybe you haven't thought about estate planning, but I think it's something that's important to have conversations with your friends and family and loved ones just to make sure people are aware of what your plans are. Um, you know, unexpected things happen all the time, get things in writing, et cetera. Um, and then when we think about the impact of something like human composting um, on the United States, for instance, um, I know I know um, that it's it's currently only legal in three states, right? Washington State, like we were just talking about, Colorado and Oregon. So, um, give us an update on like how how other states are coming along here in the United States. Um, maybe what obstacles um, you are potentially facing in trying to get broader, um, you know, approval. And would love to know, like, yeah, how do we, what, what's the future of human composting as we think about it spreading around the world? I've come up with Make Compost Global. That's going to be my new uh, tagline. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, we need you to write to your legislators. And we have a sample letter that we can get to if you send us an email. Uh, hopefully soon it will also be up on our website. Um, but people, legislators need to know that people want this option. Um, Otherwise, it doesn't get anywhere. So currently, Massachusetts and Illinois are both considering California. um, Maine also, I heard, is is considering. So we just heard Illinois. Yeah. Someone from Chicago wrote it. So yeah, writing to your legislators is really important. Yeah, we talk about this all the time on on this podcast, which is there's a very interesting intersection between, of course, the choices we can make as conscious consumers voting with our dollars, et cetera, you know, perhaps choosing to, um, you know, you know, use this process instead of something that's a little bit more quote unquote traditional. Um, but the other part is definitely taking action with our legislator, legislators um, and making sure that our governments are aware of priorities that we as consumers have. So we are always talking about letter writing, um, you know, calling your reps, et cetera. So yes, um, Good Together listeners will absolutely include a link to this letter that you can use to send to your, um, your lawmakers. And um, as we think about kind of coming full circle back now to, to, to your journey specifically. And I know, you know, the impact on um, kind of mental, um, you know, energy was mentioned earlier as being a potential catalyst, but I'm curious to know, like, you know, what's really the reason that you both feel um, is behind your company and, and what you're truly um, setting aside to accomplish? 
So I think for me personally, I have been used to um, taking someone's loved one into my care and then returning a urn to them on Friday and generally not having anything to do with that family again until they need my services again. Return home is different in that we are trying to empower people to make end-of-life choices that suit them and their family, that involve them in the process, and that includes me being involved in their life for at least this 60-day period, which means we build relationships and I learn about their person, and that fills my cup too. Um, I think allowing people to slow down their grief process and kind of work at their heart's pace instead of rushing at a funeral home schedule um, is, has been really important for me. Yeah. And when I was first considering return home for me, it was all about um, the anatomy and physiology of it because I'm very science minded. And that's why I got into funeral service was I was very interested in embalming and, and I, saw the end result because we did a lot of testing on pigs in the beginning and I saw the end result and I saw what it did to my plants. It just, the new life just sprouted out like within days. And I saw how nutrient rich, what we're giving back to the earth could be. And knowing what I was doing previously, uh, which was taking away the body's ability to break down naturally and just flipping it on its head was so impactful for me and has been, as Katie said, it fills my cup. It gives me a great deal of gratification knowing that every family that we serve has the option that is beautiful and uh, gentle, I think is my biggest you know, point is that our process is gentle and non-invasive. It just lets the body do what it was meant to do, um, but in an optimized amount of time. So yeah, I mean, I I just think it's fascinating and the fact that you both come from the industry that you're trying to reinvent is so powerful as well and that you're you're not just somebody who was kind of sitting on the sidelines and thought, hey, I'm going to jump into this. You really approach it from a, a thoughtful point of view and one of expertise. Is, is there anything else you feel like we should have covered? I mean, I feel like in general... Um, there are so many things that people have to consider when they are thinking about their, um, you know, sort of end of life plans, um, you know, burial and, and, you know, possible cremation, human composting, et cetera, are definitely one of those items. So I think the fact that we're even able to just come together and, and discuss the environmental impact of all of these things um, is, is so powerful. And I've really, really enjoyed chatting. Um, to kind of wrap things up, um, one thing that I'd love for us to talk about actually is, um, really how you see the current state of things from where you're sitting, right? Like, do you feel like people are starting to take notice of this? Um, and, you know, where do you feel like the future lies for your your venture? Well, if I may, I speaking as somebody who was part of a very closed-lipped industry, I think it's just time for us to change up our approach because I think people should expect more from their death care providers. Um, we are people who are handling the people that you love the most, and you should know exactly what we're doing and the process in which we go through. Um, if you want to, you know, we can be as involved or not involved as you need, but um, there's been kind of a barrier that's been built between 
funeral industry folk and the general public. And for us, uh, transparency is number one. So, you know, demanding better of your death care workers uh, through transparency. And uh, that's what we want to see. We want to see um, inclusivity and and we try to be that. So we just hope to, you know, walk the walk and be a good example for anyone who might also venture into a startup funeral home that it doesn't have to necessarily conform to what tradition demands of it. Absolutely. Um, You know, and from my perspective, again, I think this is just such an interesting topic. I think people are going to learn so much from it. Um, and so I just wanted to thank you both for for coming on to Good Together. Uh, listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Return Home, we'll include links um, in our show notes. Um, and we'll also give you the ability to contact your legislators because I think it's it's really powerful. So thank you so much for joining us, Katie and Bree. Absolutely. And one thing to add, we love tours. If people want to come and visit, we absolutely have an open door policy and would love to show everyone around. Absolutely. So Brightly uh, listeners, if you're based in Seattle like me, hey, maybe we can all meet up and go do on a tour together. Let's yes. let's talk about it. So um, let's talk about it more in our Facebook group um, and on our app. So thank you so much both. Thank you. joining us on another episode of good together as always you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast and don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our facebook group simply search good together ethical shopping and it'll come up you can also leave us a question through voicemail the link is on brightly.eco slash podcast If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.